Welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. Today's guest is our good friend, new good friend, yeah. best good new friend. Because <laughs> we're the four best friends that anybody could have because we're the four. Uh, Sal Frisella, and yeah. I know a lot of you are familiar with Sal Frisella in first form. Uh, Andy Frisella, his brother, unbelievable duo, unbelievable company <laughs> yes. and team. We've yes. ranted and raved all about them uh, on this podcast. So, so excited to share with you guys this episode of this conversation. Man, we got deep into fatherhood. We got oh, deep into oh, leadership. Everything, we got deep into a lot of different topics yeah. that, yes, we've touched on in the past, but, man, this one went to another level. And one Sal's just such a great – One of the most informative – Yes. Yeah, it really was. We like, had. well, gosh, it was so good. Because with Andy, very – like, Andy and, – and it speaks to who they are in the company, right? Andy was very visionary. Like, I believed in this. So we got to do this. And thinking about this next step. Where, whereas Sal was so much like, look, we've got to lead people. we got to right. create leaders. Sal, we got to – and yeah. pouring into them. So it was yeah. two very different episodes from two brothers – that have created an awesome brand with Real AF and First Form. And you know what reminds me of is the conversation we had a few weeks back on communication mm -hmm. and how you need to surround yourself with people that compliment you That's and right. the way you, you communicate. And they're a great example. Andy's very direct. He's very, you know, in charge. That's the way it's done. Sal loves people. I and mean, so does yeah. Andy. But he, he just knows how to communicate well yeah. with people in that way. And so hope you guys enjoy the episode. But before we get there, yes, Tyler, why don't you tell us a little bit about today's sponsor? Man. Our partner in good taste. It's been that like we, we try to align with brands that we really believe in, right? And this this is like the epitome of that because look, none of us none of us are drinking wine at ten a.m. because we have jobs or otherwise we would be. But <laughs> but this is something that is it, it adds value to us. We're always looking for something that adds value, yeah. right? Or we just don't have the time in the day to to spend any resources on it. But in good taste has helped all of us right. understand more just about wine, what we like, mm -hmm. how to buy it, what this, what this wine, where it's from, uh, what year it is. I mean, all these things yeah. that you think, oh my gosh, wine's too complicated. I don't care what vintage it is. I don't care what area it is. I don't care. It doesn't matter, but it does. Yeah. But when we, when we go buy wine, it's like, okay, someone told me that I should like this wine. But why do I like this wine? I don't right. even know if I do. So now we're wasting all this money on bottles of wine because we're trying to impress people because it's expensive. In Good Taste really breaks it down, makes yeah. it very simple by delivering a box of seven to eight bottles of wine and one glass per bottle yeah. so you can go through the tasting and understand why you like it, why you don't like it, right. and then you can go and, and, and learn more. What else do they do though, Darren? Events, like virtual events, online. If you if you love wine and you want to have a party with your business or with family members, go online. In good taste, we'll send you a package of wine that you can go on that you can sit online virtually and have these conversations and get. I'm not gonna say tore down. Hey, but think but about it. Have eight, some eight, good drinks. Eight glasses of wine yes. is two bottles but per very box. Good tasting good. wines, and then you can order. Figure out which one is your best. Or if it's two or three that are your best, and then go order those yeah. instead of wasting your time buying wine yeah. bottles, the large wine bottles that you don't like. But this is in good taste in the relationship that the Darren Wilson Show is having. It's more than just a partnership. It's yeah. family. That's it's right. Eric, Eric Turner. It's Stephen Turner. It's Joe, yeah. the CEO of In Good Taste. They, they poured into us, and uh, you know we just want to give back to them as well. But they have a great business. 
Just go follow, go online, and check out InGoodTaste.com. InGoodTaste.com, yeah. There's nothing I hate more than buying wine that I don't drink. (laughs) (laughs) Which is every bottle that you've ever bought. Literally every bottle I've ever tried. (laughs) Enjoy the episode. But we're going to get Ben on it. In Good Taste, we're going to convert Ben. (laughs) Enjoy the episode. And welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. Really excited about today's guest. Uh, for those of you that uh, have followed a little bit, we went up to St. Louis uh, a little bit ago and, and had the honor of being uh, uh, hosted at First Forms headquarters and then going on to the show uh, Real AF with Andy Frisella and Sal Frisella. Now, last summer, we had Andy on our show, talked through his journey and story, now, we've got the better sibling now on the show with us, but we've got Sal Frisella, president uh, of First Form. Uh, man, really appreciate you coming on, taking some time. I know you guys, uh, you guys are slammed up there, but thank you for taking some time with us. No, man, I appreciate you guys having me. And just to clarify, better looking, right? Yep. Smarter. Yep. 100%. Smarter, harder working. Yeah, absolutely. Better athlete, leader, the whole thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, but I, I, I want to... I want to know who won the actual fight. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. Who would you put your money on? I don't know. You know, Andy will bite you. Like, you might have him locked down. <laughs> and you might get some teeth marks. So, that, you know what? Bastard, I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lot like... You probably know this from tack. Like he's a lot. You got to get around him, and you're like, yeah. Get around this thing. That barrel chest, man. That's hard to <laughs> suplex someone when your fingers can't touch. Getting around him for sure. No, I double leg. I had him. I, so he, the last time he charged me, and I know not to go him up top because he's so you know he's hard to get this way. So, mm. but I can you know shoot the legs. So I shot the legs, and I picked him up, and I thought, holy shit, he's we're up here now. Like, oh, <laughs> so, so it was a. Uh, Listen, it, when we hit the ground, it's loud. That I can promise you. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure, man. Hey, I do want to. I do want to apologize. The fact that that we couldn't have you sitting in in reaching distance from Darren to have this conversation. Yeah, I man, know y'all had a good time yeah, last did, time, man. Sitting next to each other, rubbing yeah, each other's legs. I felt good. <laughs> Find some small, is this, this nice, it's nice and soft, smooth leather right here. Just, as we're talking, Sal's over there rubbing. <laughs> Good stuff. But for those of you that, that I guess are living under a rock and have not listened to Real AF, go check that out. I mean, obviously start with the episode that, uh, that we were on, yeah. uh, cause it's the best one that they've ever done. But, but honestly, man, it's, it's a very, uh, honest, uh, very transparent, very yeah. real, very motivating. It's it's the best out there. So go listen to uh, to Real AF if you have not. And then also we're gonna keep continue selling the brand that you've you've helped build to to be what it is today. But First Form is uh, one of the most elite companies that I've ever, ever been around. Yeah. And and like we do on a daily basis, we work with companies every day. And we have not ever seen anything like first form. So absolutely. So make sure to check that out. But, but again, you know, I want to reemphasize our gratitude to you and Andy and, and Chris and big Reg and, and everybody there for, for hosting us last time, Matt, it was a, it literally was a a life changing trip for us for sure. I appreciate it. I feel like you're going to ask me on a date. Yeah, no, he's, he's buttered you up now. We buttered your ass up. It's time to go. I know know how it works guys, man. Hey, flattery first, man. And then they'll do whatever you want. (laughs) You know, what's funny is, is, uh, 
you know, this is going to be pumping our own, our own air horn here. Right. But I don't really listen to our show very often, you know, meaning like once you have an episode, like I, I can't even tell you, I, mean, I may have listened to like two or three episodes total and hundreds. I re-listened to our show because I had so much fun. I had laughed so hard. We had so many fucking funny moments. I'm like, I got to go back and even remember. And I found myself walking on a treadmill, and I was laughing at it again the whole way through. Honestly, that big Reg conversation oh, that had me uh, rolling. Yeah, you're laugh, you were laughing at me. <laughs> you were laughing. Oh, I, can uh, still see, I mean, literally, I could see Darren look at him and be like, Reggie, right? <laughs> I want to make sure. I want to make sure I get it right. Oh man! Yeah, I fucked that one up. <laughs> oh oh man! Oh man! Well, Sal, man, uh, it, we always like to talk about the journey. You know, you you have built an incredible company along with you know Chris and your brother, and, uh, and but we want to go back and we want to start. You know, w- when Sal was growing up you know, fighting with, with Andy on a daily basis and, you know, what, what the family dynamic was. So, so take us back. We heard Andy's perspective. We want to hear it from you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, we grew up, you know, it's pretty funny cause we didn't grow up poor. Uh, we certainly didn't grow up rich. Andrew and I are only about 20 months apart. So we, you know, we grew up really close and, and, um, I mean, we grew up kind of your prototypical little American, you know, I don't want to say dream, but your little American household, you know, we, a gravel road and we had a you know 1500 square foot cedar house or whatever it was and andrew and i played home run derby and then tackle football and then you know whatever we could get our hands on we would play and compete and fight we we probably fought every single day of our entire lives but you know i think um you know when we were kids we're just you know we're from missouri right so we're kind of that blue collar midwest root feel and um you know we were fortunate enough to have two parents who uh invested a great deal of love and care and, and I think, you know, good direction in us. My mom was always the, you know, she was the mom that, uh, you know, always told us to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And she always stood by that. And, and, uh, my dad was very much the, you know, the blue collar hard, hard work, you know, you're going to sweep the warehouse. Uh, he was an electrical, uh, supply. He owned a little electrical supply house. And, uh, so we go back and, you know, play hockey with wire nuts and, uh, you know, sweep the floor and break light bulbs and do all types of shit, you know, when he wasn't looking, but, you know, we kind of had just that good mix of, uh, you know, a, a mom who really instilled some good values in us and a dad who, who forces that at a young age, you understand that, you know, the, uh, the hard work is never going to be replaced by any type of, 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 uh, you know, master plan or, or sorcery, if you will, you know, it's, it's hard to beat that, that blue collar work ethic. And so, you know, we just, we're fortunate enough to have two parents who invested in us at a young age and we were able to, uh, you know, have a, have a great childhood. You. Yeah. you know, so we met dad when we, on our visit and that was a comedy show. When we met your father, man, it was, <laughs> he's the king of the one-liners, man. And, and, and I tell you, and you sort of see where you guys get it from, but how was he, when you were growing up, what kind of father was he? Was he a straight shooter with you? Was he hard on you? Did he lean on you guys? You know, <clears throat> my dad, I think the best quality about my dad, one, he's, he's funnier than hell. Yeah. Okay. He, uh, he's never, he, we were raised as young adults at a young age. And I try to, I try to raise my son as similarly as I remember it. Uh, no, no secrets. Um, you know, no stones unturned. If we have a question, we're going to talk about it, right? We have a problem. We're going to address it. And my dad, you know, uh, is always first to say, Hey, listen, like, these are my cards. I'm going to put them on the table and we're going to, we're going to work through this right now. We're not going to wait until later. And it goes same for, you know, if we're going to get our ass whooped, it was happening right then. You know, it wasn't like, hey, when you get home, we're going to put soap in your mouth. It's like, we're at the baseball field. 
you're going to get your ass right now. You know I mean? so, it was always corrective action on the fly. Um, but I think the best part about my dad is, you know, my best part of me remembering my dad growing up is, you know, being, being a great friend and being a person of character is really the difference in life. And no matter how high you get or how low you get, you know, as men, especially, you know, we're all, we're pretty simple creatures. And I watched my dad, you know, really work rooms, um, as a, at a young age, whether it was a janitor or the CEO, my dad treated everybody the same. And he always, he always instilled, you know, having a good time or drinking a beer or having a good conversation or having a, you know, a, my dad was like the, my dad was married three times, right. Or two and a half times, if you will. And he, but he was always the relationship advice guy. Mm. He's like, all right, fuck that up. Don't do that. You know, but everywhere <laughs> we went, I always remember he would find a bond no matter where they were in, inside the, the silo of life and he would connect to them. And I think, you know, we got the, the great privilege of watching my dad, whether it was a bar room or a ballroom, you know, kind of have those interactions and see that, you know what, we're all human. We all interact the same way. We all struggle. Um, and we all need a, 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 an ear to uh, talk to and a shoulder to lean on at times. And, and being that person, uh, can create a great deal of significance in somebody's life. And I, I watched this growing up, you know, where, cause a lot of times as guys, like we don't want to express that stress or that struggle mm -hmm. or that, that weakness that we have, that we all have, that we think, you know, maybe we're the only person that has it. Um, and I watched my dad really create unbelievable relationships up and down that, you know, barroom to ballroom chain based off just being a good friend and, mm -hmm. and being somebody mm -hmm. Uh, who you could listen to and somebody who would drink a beer with you and somebody who would help you dig a hole or whatever needed to have happen. My dad was always there in that, in, the, in that mix. And, and, you know, usually came with a good story, you know, that was maybe fabricated a little bit, but uh, a, a great joke and, and a, and a cold beer. And I watched my dad, you know, suit that into us at a young age. And it really kind of, if you, if you look back, it kind of set the foundation for our young group of leaders that we have here at first form is, you know, we, we've, we've shed uh, tears together. We've drank beers together. We've done everything in between. And, and uh, you know, the life, life is a journey. That's what I've learned. And uh, it's, it's not necessarily where you're going. It's who you're with. And uh, my, I think my dad taught us that at a really young age. And I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to have been raised around that. Yeah, man, I agree. I think that's unique, especially for, for the men of his generation. Like everything they did in that generation was solo, right, by themselves. I know watching my dad, my dad – didn't have guy friends. He didn't have that because because he just worked and served the kids and like that was it. And that's and that's a really good point. Making sure as men, especially at, at, at this phase of life, is focusing on pouring into people and having friends, having someone that you can share your thoughts right. on. So that I think that's awesome because that to me is is very unique to his generation. Yeah, and I'll, I'll share a story with you that that's rooted with me a long way, and, and um, you know you can. Well, I guess since this is a new audience, you know, when I was, I just had my son Enzo and, um, this is just the type of guy that my dad, my dad is, was in, in business and just in general. And I was walking through the aisle of Home Depot and, um, I had just had my son and this guy stopped me and he said, Hey, are, are you Sal? And, you know, we're, we have enough, like, you know, kind of internet, notoriety where you get, you know, some people that ask you, we're not quite, we're not daring, you know what I mean? We don't walk around and people carry <laughs> around your shoulder type stuff. You know, we're, just, we're like the, lay, the layman cool guy, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it was one of those things that, and I was like, you know, I got my son with me. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's like, Hey, I just want to tell you, you know, you, your daddy put me in business, you know, 30, whatever, 35 years ago. 
And uh, he gave me a credit line at his electrical distribution house. And I want to let you know, I got a hundred employees and uh, you know, I got four kids and your dad was one of the best men that I ever, that I ever dealt with. And when he, you know, when he got out of his business, you know, I, I miss doing business with him. I miss seeing him. I miss hanging out with him. And uh, I just want to let you know that we have this, you know, we, we our business has thrived and it all started with, you know, your dad mm-hmm. helping us out. And man, I remember that just that feeling of like, I was so, I had so much pride mm-hmm. in myself at that point in time because of my dad. Right. And it wasn't like, uh, you know, it was just a true genuine nature of, I understand how my dad's wired. It's like, Hey man, I'm gonna help this, this other blue collar guy. We're going to get through this together. And I can, if I can help him, he can return and help me. Yeah. But to hear those words come through as a son. And it really shaped how I think about business in general. Now, like I don't do anything for myself. I always do it for how people are going to treat my kids and we can get into that. But mm-hmm. you know, that, that impact was so powerful to me because it's, you know, and you guys said, you know, like the journey, the journey and the journey of life, you know, when you make it about servant leadership, you know, serving other people so that they do best, it's amazing how their lives can shape and take place and how you can impact people that my dad probably has no idea, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To this day, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that guy sought me out and gave me that advice and it, it's just filled me up and it made me feel really good. I want to get more on the servants, the servant part later, but let's, let's yeah. focus on that leadership part and, and, and how sports was a big part of your journey. Um, so take us back to high school, you know, obviously, you know, you were a baseball player, uh, played professional ball, but uh, talk us through that football because you were the quarterback, correct? In that backfield, wasn't it was you at quarterback, Andy at fullback, and then Chris at tailback? Yep, yep. We, we were the we were the backside, and uh, that was we always used to argue in the huddle. That was always great. It's like, give me the fucking ball, stop giving it to Chris. It was always a battle. But, uh, man, it's funny because, you know, it's interesting because Chris, Andrew, and I have been together. I mean, most people don't realize that. You know, Chris, Andrew, and I have been – we've been together for – almost 30 years, you know, like 27 mm. years. Wow. And it started with football. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, I don't know if I'm going to write a book on this at some point in time, but I always talk about locker room leadership. Like uh, everything that I learned about the code of business happened inside a locker room at some point in time. And, and I think, you know, with the, with the, the locker room is a very sacred place that teaches you a lot about, you know, character of people, selfishness, uh, winning, losing, um, Sorry about that, guys. Bang it through. But, you know, and I, you know, I've learned that it doesn't matter if you're black, white, pink, purple. It matters about, you know, being amongst men or women of character and, and, you know, who's willing to fight for you, who's willing to go to battle for you, who's touching the line when you're doing conditioning drills, you know, who's escaping out of the work, you know, who's, who's going to seven on seven ball in the summers, who's doing the work when no one's looking at matters. And you start to realize how that really, transcribes into life in general and you know you we've set our business up to have a locker room style leadership if you will you know where hey man like you say you're into win but what are you willing to do in order to do that you know we have a lot of ancillary activities if you will that are constantly pushing the envelope to see who's you know who's who's invested in 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 not only our company but our customers Mm -hmm. and you know who's in it for the team and who's in it for themselves and and, you know trying to use the experience of of a locker room um, to really help us in business in general has been really one of the best things that's ever happened to me because, you know, team is where the success is really built. You know, you can only do so much as an individual and getting the team to believe that they can be a part of the journey and, and, and then transcribing that to understand that, you know, not everybody can be quarterback and, you know, knowing your role is an important piece, but we all have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. 
but somebody has to be the left tackle. Somebody's got to play, you know, right guard. Somebody's got to be the water boy. Somebody's got to bring the equipment to the field. And so where is your role in the team and making sure that you can express the importance of how everybody's role matters in the team winning and then watching those actions take suit and then developing talent and figuring out like, just like, you know, when you were, when you were a little kid, everybody wanted to be quarterback, but yeah. not everybody could be quarterback, right? right? So wh- what talent do you have? Well, son, you're going to be a nose tackle. Well, nobody desires to be a nose tackle at 12, right? So figuring and seeing and developing young talent, you know, and, and then expressing the importance of how their role matters, no matter where it is in the organization, that a team is comprised of a bunch of people with the same mission in mind, the same work ethic in mind, yeah. the same – same mission goals drive in mind and then being able to express that to them so that we all work in unison. And I think, you know, the locker room in a, in a, in a world where it's, you know, listen, we live in a personal branding world where it's very much about me, right? Mm -hmm. Like where it's how to build your personal brand, how to, how you can make a million dollars. And then really what the locker room taught, taught me is how to transcribe that me message into we, you know, how do you take a me versus we mentality and realizing that we can we can all have individual success inside this big company win. Right. And so painting that picture, um, you know, for our guys and girls here, I I learned to kind of paint that role from, you know, from the locker room, whether it was football or baseball is, Hey guys, we all have an extremely important role in winning a championship. Mm -hmm. You know, you just need to know your role and stay in your lane. And if we do our jobs, we can win. Yeah. Yeah, and And that, you know, you said something there about touching the line. Like that's simple. It's that simple. When you're in the locker room or you're in business, like if you're that person, and I'll use this football analogy, which you, you basically used earlier, when you're touching the line, that means you have to bend down, touch the line, and everybody's supposed to touch the line and then run back or, you know, mm-hmm. and then run back across and then touch the other line or whatever it is, right? There's a discipline that, in that. And when you see that person that's not taking that extra step, to do the basic of touching that line. It's that same person that during the game, the ball finds them. Mm -hmm. In the most crucial time, that person that's undisciplined, that's selfish, that ball finds them. And that, man, Mm -hmm. that spoke for what you said right there. For sure. It speaks across the board. Man, it doesn't matter what business you're in. If you don't have the simple discipline just to finish. Mm -hmm. And, and what I love about, and, and you're right on, and, and by the way, you do need to write a book for sure, yeah. because it, I, I think so many corporations say, hey, I, yeah, I want to hire an athlete, like I, either collegiate, high school at least, like you have to be a part of a team, but they can't quantify what the value of an athlete brings. The biggest thing about locker room that I feel like, the locker room leadership that you're talking about is it exposes you. You can't hide in the locker room. Like you said, you know who's not going to the summer seven on sevens. You know who's not in the weight room in February. So in business, and I feel like, especially in the social media era, right? You can blast all this stuff. You can say all these things, but you have no idea what they're doing when they're not, when they're not on social media, or you can hide behind a team sometimes in business and you could give out orders and you can respond to emails and you can do this. But in that locker room, athletes understand that, you're not going to respect anybody unless you see them putting in the work and you see the results of their hard work contributing to the team. There's no hiding. And that to me, the leaders in the locker room, there's a reason that they're there. And those are the ones that I I feel like can translate and transfer into something else outside of athletics. Well, but, but look at, look at the the core commonality between that same person that leads inside the locker room um, and, and what that person has the ability to do, right? Like a leader in the locker room, 
uh, has the ability to call somebody out, no matter how far up and down right. the chain there is. And it's not an age thing. That's, you know, sometimes there's an earned respect thing, mm-hmm. but respect is an earned trait that you have through action and through your ability to basically get other people to buy into your belief That's of right. the team mm-hmm. winning. Yep. And the respect is inherent. It's not like you go around and say, well, you have my respect card, sir. And, um, well, you get half of a card. Right. It's a fucking inherent given feeling that one has, well, especially, you know, one man has for another. And what I learned in that is it's trust and being able to build trust to get it to loyalty is the number one key aspect in, in, in developing young leadership and getting people to buy in. Mm. What does that mean? That means that, you know what? I got to lead by example first. Okay. I'm never going to get somebody to buy into my mission. If I'm not living my mission, doing my mission, exploiting my mission and giving every motherfucking thing I got to that mission. Mm -hmm. And then I got to explain to them why it's important and give them advice to help them through their life. And in my experience in developing young men and women, I'm going to help them. This is a lesson that my dad taught me, but I crossed it into locker room leadership and in life in general, dude, guys struggle with money and women. That's the truth. Like that's what guys struggle with. That's true. Yeah. And so I found myself to be relationship doctor and I pride myself, you know, listen, I've had a lot of bad relationships in the past, but I have a great marriage and I love my wife and we have, I really do. We have a fabulous marriage and, you know, being able to give those guys the experience that I have through mistakes and help them through their journey so that they don't make the same mistakes I made with money and relationships. What happens is they go out in the real world they use my advice and then they come back and they're like, Hey man, it worked. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I've already tried this. And then respect is earned. Right. Because now I'm, now I'm leading by example day to day in the active and say, Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to show up this time. I need you to fucking bust your ass. But then I'm sending them out with real world advice that changes their life at home. That makes them, you know, makes them have a little bit more mm. swagger, a little bit, you know, more financial security. Then they come back and then they, they become loyal to the system because the system has helped make them a better version of them now it's easier to move the team in that direction. Right. And the beauty is, is like what I learned inside the locker room is there are no feelings. I don't, yeah. I'm not here to hurt your feelings or make you feel good. I'm here to fucking win. Absolutely. And, and being able yeah. to transcribe that to a group of young men and women, you know, the message is maybe a little different and how you deliver it. However, the message is really the same. And I tell them all the time, like my job is not to make you feel good. My job is to make you better men and women of character. And if I sit here and I powder coat it, and make you feel good that I'm not delivering on my end of the deal, which is make you a better human. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that comes with tough love. Now I know the difference between, I talk about the carrot or the stick. Like sometimes you get the carrot as a reward and sometimes you get the reward of the stick and they will respect the difference, but only if you explain it to them and teach them why it's important for their personal success. And that thing in creating that little envision that they can have the life they want inside the dream of this company, they start to buy in a little deeper. Then what happens is they start to hold other people accountable. Now we have a really good locker room because everybody's beaten to the same drum, right? Nobody's leaving towels on the floor. Nope. Everybody picks up after the shit. Everybody's there early. Everybody stays late. Nobody's, you know, we don't have to deal with those little knickknack panty whack shit that most people do in business because there's an expectation here. And that right. expectation is our job is to make you great. And inside that we can win together. And I want you to win as an individual just as much as I want us to win as a team. Yeah. And I think, I mean, really though, that's, it's so clear. The reason you're the leader that you are is because you're worried about other people. How, how often do we find executives, leaders, leaders of the community, business, whatever that are worried about, okay, how do I get mine? How do I maximize what I can get? Right. 
the short-sightedness of that, because people, whether you say it to them or not, they know that you care about their success. Again, you may not be worried about the feelings in the moment, but you care, you care about them being successful, which roundabout way now makes first formers more successful, right? That it leads to success. And so that's what, that's what, to me, a great leader is someone, and that now we get into the servant part, right? Like that's where, look, I serve others, like it's self-serving in a roundabout way, yeah. but when people truly care about other people and truly pour into other people, that is the sign of a great leader. And, and honestly, what we've witnessed from you, man, it's, uh, it's, it's impressive to watch. Yeah. But I, I think, right, like life is very narcissistic in general. And I think a lot of, you know, that people think that's like a, that's a bad term. But the truth of the matter is it's, it's just really the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned to do is, you know, I tell my guys and girls all the time, our business is about helping people through their fitness journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I like things to be about me, just like you guys like things to be about you. Right. Like that's just the nature. Like you want to be, feel important. You want to feel special. Yes. Well, when I was younger, I used to go out and tell everybody like, Hey, I'm important or Hey, I'm special. And I would try to like prove to myself this mission. Well, I realized that that was like this, kind of self-loathing kind of thing, but nobody ever really felt it. Mm. And I don't know what moment it clicked or how it worked, but, you know, we started really realizing that life was about other people. Like if I can make their lives better and I can make my mission about helping them, inherently they'll make me an important part of their life. Mm. And so then we, you know, that servant side of leadership is like, if I want to make it about me, let's just make it about them. And if I can give them the best version of me and all the advice and all the information, whether that's somebody trying to lose weight or gain weight or somebody inside our walls trying to build their career or their marriage or their personal success, I give and give and give and give and give. And what I realize is then they, they make it about me. So if I want to make it about me, I got to give to them. Mm. And I think life, we miss that aspect because we're all trying to busy, too busy trying to get ours. Mm. But if you want to make it about you, you got to learn, you got to give first. And if you want to receive, you have to give. And yeah. That has been the best single hack in my life that, and I couldn't even tell you, I wish I had like an aha moment that this is what it is, but it's, it wasn't that moment. But if I could go back and give myself the younger version of me, a piece of advice, it would literally be, Hey man, start earlier making the world about other people. And in return, they'll make their world about you. If I knew that earlier, I, you know, I think I'd leave, I, I wouldn't have as much perspective as I have now, but I would be a hell of a lot further down the road than I did when I was right. younger, only worrying about me. But that's, that, that's why they call it life experiences. And you go through those experiences and you grow. It's called growth, man. We, we continue to grow through the process. I want to go back though, Sal, because, you know, let's tell, tell your story about, you, know, you played football, you were a quarterback, you played baseball as well. What was the choice like growing up in, in your high school years to, to make the decision to further your baseball career? Yeah, I grew up in that uh, kind of, you know, in, in, when I say the funny area, the area that we all grew up in was where, I mean, I played, dude, I, I wrestled, I played football, I ran track, you know, I, I, I played baseball, I played ice hockey. I mean, I did as, I mean, my dad had us playing as many sports as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, it came down to where I was good at two sports. I could play football. Uh, and I could play baseball and, you know, I was in the backfield and you guys know, I'm not very tall, like, you know, six one. And, uh, at the time they ran that pro style offense where all your quarterbacks were like, you know, Troy Aikman, six, five, six guys. And, uh, and I could run a little bit, but you know, I'm all, I'm not too smart, but I'm smart enough to realize there aren't a lot of six, one tailbacks who are white in the league. 
you know, this is probably not the spot for me. And I was fast, but I wasn't, uh, I was straight line fast, more like mm. it's going to, it's going to hurt if I get you type thing. But yeah. I didn't have the, I didn't have the shake. I didn't have the Barry Sanders hips. And so I realized I could throw a baseball pretty good. I could hit pretty good and I could run in a straight line. See a baseball. We don't have to be that athletic. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so the, the skill set just kind of suited what, what I did best. And you know, what's funny is I really wasn't even that good. I was just always a, I was a pretty good worker with a pretty good, pretty good talent mix where it, it allowed me to skate by a lot of things. Yeah. So my question, were you that white running back? Did you wear a neck roll? Was that, was that your, Tell was that your thing? So. I know you didn't. So I, I, the built-in cowboy college. Yes. Not, yes. It's not, you know, with, you the know, big, with the big black rubber elbow pads and the, yeah, the wrist <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. Why do all the white dudes? <laughs> yeah. yeah. hold on to the football because I sweat so much. That's right. Yes, that's the truth. But, okay, so biggest question is, did, did you tuck in the cowboy collar or did you put your jersey on the outside of the cowboy collar? No, I let it, I let it fly. I didn't tuck it in. I let it fly. Man, what, oh. what is that like? Run, white running back 101 that you got to yeah. wear the, the, yeah. the white, co- the collar yeah. and the, and yeah. the whole night. I mean, you're not going to outrun them. You got to run them I was going to say, either you had the black neoprene or you had the white volleyball pads on the, on the elbows. It was yeah. one of the two. I couldn't do the volleyball pads. I was on the neoprene. Yeah. Hey, hey, just move, set the table for us. Yeah, he did. That's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you you said you're not very good at baseball, but you're you're being humble. You you ended up playing Division One Southern Illinois, correct? Baseball. That's correct. And then you end up going on and getting drafted into the minor leagues. So, talk to us about that decision of of going to play pro ball. You know, what round were you drafted? All that good stuff. Man, I think I was like, I mean, I I tell you, I was one of the last guys in the draft, so there's always a shot. Remember that. Yeah. The, uh, so I, I played four years at, at college. I had the blessed opportunity. I went and played in Cape Cod League, which is like, you know, the premier league in baseball. Mm-hmm. And, I, man, I, I love the sport of baseball. I really do. I love everything about, um, the, you know, the baseball gods, just the journey in general. Like, baseball really is a true passion of mine. I'd love to get back into it at some point in time. But, um, you know, I had the, I had the uh, blessed opportunity to play for a man in uh, college who, who has since passed. And he's one of the greatest, one of the greatest people that, that I've ever met in my entire life. In fact, when, you know, if I, hopefully I get the opportunity to go to heaven, I can't wait to see him again just cause I, you know, I respected the man so much, but he, uh, I spent four years in Southern Illinois under a guy by the name of Dan Callahan, who, who really set me straight down a different path to life. You know, I wasn't a bad kid. I was always, you know, I was a pretty good kid in the grand scheme of things, but you know, I was confidence and I had a lot of cockiness going into college and he kind of set my, my rails straight, if you will, and <clears throat> really gave me a good dose of, of, of life, but he taught me a, a lot about, you know, becoming a, a strong leader and leading by example and how important it was, you know, to be a man of your word. And, you know, and, and, uh, then I, you know, had the, I had an opportunity to go on after that and, and, uh, got drafted in the 37th round. Can you believe that there's 37 mm. rounds? Of baseball? Of baseball. And, uh, I know, tell me about it. Got a thousand bucks, made a thousand dollars. Hey, that's and, still uh, higher than I was drafted. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you want to talk about a lonely ass day. You think you're the shit, right? You know, I was a, you know, I was a pretty good college player and you, know, you think you're going to go well. And I, and I had a pretty good uh, slot for my junior year, but we passed and went to the Cape. And then uh, my senior year, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be a top 20 pick there, top 20 round pick. That'd be no big deal. You get to round like 26 and you're like, all right, where the fuck? Maybe I'm not going. <laughs> it's a reality of life, yeah, you know, right. but uh I'll never forget having my name called. I was on an old Hewlett Packard desktop computer listening to the draft on dial-up internet, man. 
And in the 37th round, I think I was like the 1,111th pick. Think about that. <laughs> we select Paul Frisella because my first name's Paul. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, in that moment, man, like, I was a little bit pissed off. But I remember, you know, I caught a tear. And I remember thinking, holy fuck, like, I, I did it. And, that, and this is a good, this is a good goal-setting uh, experiment for a lot of the young listeners. I did it. You know, because my I never set my goals high enough. I always just wanted to play professional baseball, and mm. I never really I never really set my dreams like in the big leagues, if you will. I just wanted to play professional baseball, and um, you know, I had the opportunity to go play, and I had a couple you know a couple good years. I had a collision at home plate that broke my leg, but the um, the truth of that matter is, is you know, I never really paid the respect um, or the opportunity that I had in professional baseball. I never really gave it the respect that that it needed, and I think that transition of life really helped me set off my professional path. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I got to play professional baseball, and you got to understand we made $1,200 every two weeks. Like we didn't make shit or maybe we made $1,200 a month. I can't remember. It was nothing like peanuts in the grand scheme of life. And uh, I was so worried about my image and being cool. And we see this a lot now on, on mm-hmm. the young Instagram days, right? Like you want to have so many followers and you want to post your Rolex online and flex. And, and you know, the thing is, is, I was so worried about being cool that I forgot about what got me there. I forgot about doing the work and the due diligence. And what I didn't realize is that's when I needed the due diligence to start doing the work. Mm. And, and I forgot that part real quick. And, um, you know, life served me what, it, what I deserved, which is I broke my leg, a collision home plate. And, and uh, I think the baseball gods for that matter, they took that opportunity away from me. And I, and I don't take that moment lightly. So it's, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a different transition of life, that's for yeah. sure, because I went from being, you know, a professional baseball player in St. Louis, which is, you know, Darren, in baseball land, it's like being a part of the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, right? That's because, right. You know, yeah. we, have good, we have good baseball here. So, like, but the girls, they didn't know that I only made $1,200 a month. You know, so, they <laughs> thought I played so they all thought I was rich. So, like, I could go into any bar, man. They all thought I was, like, you know, the, the, the king, you know, the king dingling. But the truth of the matter, I wasn't shit. And, uh, you know, when I broke my leg, you know, transition me. I was, that was it. That was the last game I played. And then I, you know, off into business land, I went. Was there, was there any, I'm sorry, man. Was, was there any depression that came that, that settled in after that? Were you, you know, how did you feel through that transition? Yeah. I mean, yeah, actually there's a, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, loneliness, you know, for about six, eight months. Right. So I went from, you know, being, you know, chasing my dreams, like doing what I always wanted to do, right. Being the guy to, uh, you know, I'll never forget this guy named Bruce Mano. He walked me down an aisle and he said, Hey, um, we're going to let you go. And I'd never been told no in my entire life. Never in my entire life. Have I ever been told no to a sports team? Um, you know, I was always, you know, delivered if you will. And that fit, that rejection, man, that happened set in for the first time in my life. And I remember, I remember driving home. I made it 20 hours. I drove straight through the whole way home and just confused. I was young, you know, I didn't know what to do with life. And then, you know, depression slash anxiety slash as athletes, we always had like, what was next? You know what I mean? Like you, from your freshman to your sophomore year, you had a, you had a, you know, you were going to go play summer ball here and you had a, a weight program that was here and you knew yeah. exactly what the transgression was. And mm-hmm. I got to a point in life where I didn't know shit because they were going to tell us what was next. And I didn't have a fucking next. Mm-hmm. And I think that fear of the unknown was really, um, it was scary. That's the truth. And, um, I did what any 
you know, single young guy would do. I went and got a dog. And, uh, <laughs> that dog who hangs, actually his painting hangs right here. I, I don't want to, that dog didn't save my life or anything like that, but he gave me a little bit of uh, responsibility, a little bit mm-hmm. of direction. And I remember like, and I, and, and I missed that dog. I know it sounds really stupid to this day for that reason, because like when I was the, when I was the loneliest, because you feel like a failure, right. To your mm-hmm. family, to your friends, and they don't, they don't look at you that way. They were still extremely proud because you were their friend that made her. You were their friend that was doing well. But internally, I had failed myself, and I had failed. I had let them down, and I had given up on that opportunity. And that's a lot of weight to digest inside, you know, a, a young alpha-type person who's trying to do the best they can. And, and uh, you know, I, I was drinking a lot more than I should have because of my leg. I was taking pain pills. I went down that whole route, you know, yeah. the whole route that you, you hear a lot of the athletes come out of. And, um, you know, I, I found that dog and that dog gave me purpose. You know, he gave me something to, he gave me a friend that, you know, that, uh, he would be there for me when, when no one else would, and, you know, I could talk to him. I could be with him. He'd ride with me. I didn't need any justification with him. So yeah, that, that, that finding myself period from when I was done playing until I, you know, started getting a real job, but it was a, it was a lonely summer. That's for sure. Yeah. So how old were you at that time? So I was uh, 24. So I was 24 years old. 24. So, man, that's that hits home because so many athletes, and I would say, and I would say, veterans on a, on a larger scale, like on a, on a more uh, intense uh, a scale of that, go through that exactly what you described. It's okay. I had all the direction. Now I don't know what to do. Like I don't know how. I mean, how to apply for jobs? What I want to yeah. do really? Because my focus has been on athletics. I've had tunnel vision on that. So. So you said six to eight months or so, you get the dog. What What's next? Like, okay, now I got to get in the business world. Like, obviously, you know, you your, your brother was starting his supplement store at this time, right? He yeah, had started. Not, so, yeah, this is, you know, Andrew was probably, I see this 2004, I guess, if I broke my leg, 2004, 2005. So Andrew's three or four years in the business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they had one store. They were still grinding it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so naturally – he wasn't making any money. He was making $600 a month. I was yeah. making about $600. I was making nothing at this time living at home. And so naturally like any young guy would do is figure out which one of my friends makes the most money. Yeah. And it's my buddy, Ryan, he sold copiers. And I'm like, well, I could sell copiers. If Ryan could sell copiers, I'll sell copiers. And, uh, man, I'll never forget. I went to men's warehouse, picked myself. I got, I got three suits. You know, they had like a three for two ninety nine dollars yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, I went and started selling copiers, man. I started like, it was like October 1st and, uh, I put a suit on for the first time. And I remember walking into that building. I was scared shitless, man. I was so scared. I, Cause you know, like, I don't know what the hell I'm getting into. And, uh, so I had the, the beautiful journey of transition of life. I went from the, 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 the guy at the bar who played for the St. Louis Cardinals at, to the copier salesman. So I, I always figured out I had to, nobody, you couldn't go to the bar and like tell the girls like, oh, I'm a, what do you do? I'm, I'm a copier salesman. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. Football player is way cooler than I'm a copier salesman. So then you 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 start describing it like, well, I'm a technology specialist. Yeah. <laughs> In sales. <laughs> technology and fucking, I don't know. You hit a copier and this is. <laughs> Talk about letdown, man. Like once I had to really tell him what I did, it was like, holy fuck, this guy sells copies. (laughs) (laughs) Want to take a quick break from the episode and tell you guys about a brand new partnership. Uh, Because you guys listen to the podcast, 
uh, companies are now coming to us yes. and wanting to be a part of this. Yeah. And that's 100% because of you guys. So wanted to tell you about an exciting new partnership. Man, this is have. a great, great partnership. And it's a longtime friendship that I've had with Choctaw Casino and Resort located uh, in Durant, Oklahoma, just across the Red River here. Uh, easy drive, great people, great resort. The new renovations going on. Got a fantastic pool that's outside. So if you got kids, if you have kids, or if you just want to get away uh, alone with your wife, your girlfriend, uh, whatever, your partner, doesn't matter what it is, go over to uh, uh, Choctaw Casino Resort. Have a great time. Again, we always talk about relationships on this podcast. We have a great relationship with Walt, Walter Allen, who's over there, and, and the people over at Choctaw Casino have just been wonderful. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you don't have a wife and a girlfriend at the same time. Yeah, a little bit of both, <laughs> but have a good time anyway. But yeah, like Darren said, go check them out. Choctaw Casino and Resort. Now back to the episode. But you know what? I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what not to do selling copiers, mm. which I'm very, very thankful for. You know, I had a guy... Uh, who, who really taught me everything I, I teach my guys not to do in sales. Yeah. Uh, he taught me how to sell copiers and, you know, it was kind of the, the sleazy used car salesman approach. And, and uh, you know, what's interesting is, you know, in every, it, this is the, I think the, the lesson inside my copier career is in every journey, there's a lesson, good, bad, or indifferent. You just have, need to learn to see it that way. Mm. And that lesson for me is, you know, it was a, it was a good lesson because it told me what I didn't, what I didn't want to do. You know what I, I wasn't, yeah. I could sell because I had the gift of gab, but I never felt good doing it. You know, yeah. it was like slamming boxes and changing rates and, you know, trying to hook people in kind of like you would, you know, envision a used car salesman. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to have that reputation. And, uh, so that didn't last too long for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, you know, I had about an 18 month stint selling copiers and then, um, I was blessed with the opportunity to sell medical devices. So with, uh, Johnson and Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, the, the baby company, if you will. And that was a great opportunity. So I went from, you know, from selling boxes to kind of a little bit more of a prestigious, you know, career, if you will. And I had a great boss, you know, the guy by the name of John Riley, uh, who taught me a lot about sales, taught me a lot about how to be a true professional, a true professional salesperson. And, um, you know, I had a great job, honestly, you know, it's the dream job for most people. Um, you know, I was making, I was a, I was a young salesperson, um, you know, had a really good career, had the opportunity, you know, I made mid six figures as a young guy, I was 27, 28 mm. years old at this point, you know, making three, $400,000 a year, had a really good job, but it just wasn't fulfilling, man. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like I had like the company car, the 401k, I worked for one of the best companies. And I think this is really where the transition of, of, of finding myself um, really kind of started to take shape is, you know, copiers taught me what I didn't want to be. Um, and, medical sales showed me that maybe what everybody else wanted in life isn't what I wanted in life. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, at that point in time, you know, cause all my friends thought I was crazy that I was going to leave and, and go work with my brother, you know, because I made a lot of money and I had a company card, I had a good gig and I played golf two or three days a week. And, you know, I, I, I remember having the conversation with myself, you know, thinking like, you know, am I crazy, but I don't love what I do, you know? And, and I started, you know, I had, I was making really good money and, and you start realizing that maybe the weight that we place on money wasn't what everybody said it was up to be. Mm-hmm. And I started to have a lot of, you know, indifferent feelings about what I did every day. I didn't love going to work. I loved who I worked for and I was pretty good at what I did, but I didn't, I didn't have that sense of, 
I didn't have that sense of team. I didn't have that sense of, of community of winning that you had inside a locker room that you had from sport. And I really felt lonely, man. That's the truth. That's like, that's mm-hmm. the God's honest truth. And, um, you know, Andrew had presented us with an idea, you know, they've Andrew and Chris had this idea for a couple of years about starting a brand and trying to take it national. And, and, um, you know, I, I remember one year I was like, fuck it, man, I'm in. Like, I'm just going to go. We went to Starbucks, Andrew, Chris, and I, we sat down, we came up with a little game plan that was in May and June. I left or in July, I left. And, and, uh, August 1st was my first day at first form. It'll be 11 years. That's so it's been awesome. Something you just said there that I don't want to skate over, uh, talking about money. And if I can take this personal for a second, you know, one of the best days and one of the worst days of my life actually just happened last year when I came to the realization that money doesn't do to me what I think it was, what I thought it was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I played it up in my head. Like once I do this, once I make this amount of money, like life is going to be good. All of a sudden everything's going to be changed. And when it didn't do that, it, like I said, it was the, both the worst day of my life, but it also was so freeing. Mm-hmm. And now it's given me permission in my mind, like, the money's not going to change. You're going to be who you are no matter how much money you make. So you might as well pursue what you're after. You might as well pursue what you're really into. And so for you, that realization, I want to talk a little bit more about that realization for you when the money didn't do for you what what you thought it was going to do. Yeah, I I think, you know, for me as as a young guy, right, 27, you know, 28, you know, you're making whatever, you know, close to half a million dollars and, you know, I'm living life. And you, I placed all my net worth on money. And I, when I say net worth, I mean my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit, even my attitude towards my friends. It was almost like, well, I have more money than you. So mm-hmm. I have my valuable. What I realized is I was out of fucking whack. And why that's important is, and I think back to your point, you know, about, you know, when you place too much value on money, you realize that somebody always has more and there's always makes more and you never actually ever achieve it. Right. So you're mm-hmm. constantly chasing. So, when you get to a hundred thousand, okay, what's next? 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. And you never, you never fulfill that bucket that's inside of you. And you're constantly chasing. That's the competitor inside of us, especially being an ex athlete. And so I, I learned to shift my focus in life as I realized that if I'm the best, because that's really what I want to chase, right? I want to chase being the best. And that's what I realized. It's not about the most money. It's about maximizing my potential and being the very best Sal that I could be with the talent that I'm given with, you know, God's, you know, gift of my mom, my dad, my brother, everything around me. Like if I can go be the best version of me, I can be happy and I can lay my head down at night. Now, consequently, if I'm the best at what I fucking do, the money comes. Mm-hmm. And when I removed, when I switched those two priorities in my brain, my life started to become a lot more happy. And what I mean by that is if you focus on being the best, there's an internal fulfillment that happens uh, that money will not replace. Now, the good news is, is I'm also a proponent of money. I like making money. Mm-hmm. It makes life easier. But when you shift your focus and realize that if you're the best, the money is a byproduct of that, uh, life becomes a lot easier because you can focus on the process of becoming the best version of whatever it is. And I always say, like, if you're the best concrete contract contractor, you make a lot of money. If you're the best NASCAR driver, you make a lot of money. If you're the best football player, you make a lot of money. If you're the best stripper, you make a lot of money. It doesn't <laughs> matter what you do. It matters that you're the best. And if that happens, the money will take care of itself. So focus on the process. And that's what I learned is I I was able to free myself of stop chasing this and start focusing on this, which consequently was the person that looked back at me in the mirror. 
Yeah. Start becoming the best version of me, and then everything else fell into place. You know what? I like that. I love that. But I want to go back. I want to go back here because you, you and Andy, you guys are in Starbucks, right? I lost you. Yep. You guys are in Star, uh, in Starbucks when this happens. It's you, Andy, and it's Chris. Yep. At the same time. Okay. So, is is Andy and Chris are they making any money at this point? Right in time. They had they had just started like seeing a little bit of success. You know what I mean? Where uh, Andrew had just bought a house. You know, he's out of my dad's house. Chris still lived in, I think Chris has just moved to St. Louis, but he, he was living in a condo and they had just started making a little bit of money. And, you know, to quantify it, I, they were probably both making about, you know, they were probably both making 150, $200,000 a year. I, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in that ballpark, they were, they were, their careers were taken off. Yeah. And they could see that, Hey, they had a good look. Andrew's got a great business brain. And he can, he has a good vision. I always say we're good yin and yang because he's a great visionary. I'm a great doer. And so we work really well together in that sense. And Chris is a great teammate. And the three of us work really, really well that way because we, you know, we ebb and flow. Like we all fill each other's voids Um, and, and knowing like we know our role goes back to developing a team. Like my role, I know Andrew's role. He knows Chris's role. He knows. And we all execute. And we sat at that table and now mind you, we've been in the backfield together, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've been doing this together. You know, I wish I was a, I wish I was a fly on the wall on this conversation. Cause I want to know, I, tell me how that conversation went because someone had to come to you and say, Hey, look, we know you're making that 350, $400,000 a year deal. Like uh, we want you to leave that and come on over to us. Now, what was Sal? Oh, bro. What was that conversation like? I, I, you got to understand like at the time I made the most money at the table. Exactly. And I remember Andrew's like, dude, we got to fucking go, man. Like we got to fucking go. And I'm like, Andrew, I got a $50,000 fucking check. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, and he's like, well, after that, you're either going to go or it's going to be somebody else. And I remember thinking, fuck it. Let's rock. And and it, 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 I mean, I can walk into, I mean, I see this Starbucks, it's the same fucking table. I go to the Starbucks every day and I can see this, you know, like sitting there and it's funny because you could tell we were business, you know, we're playing business professional. Andrew had like his little notebook, you know, Chris had his little notebook. I had my little note. We're going to take notes. We didn't take fucking notes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't ever like, that's another thing. I don't play business anymore. I'm fucking short. This is what I got. I don't don't have notes. I don't fucking listen, man. You're going to get what you get. But you know, at that time we were young, we thought we were hustling and, uh, but the truth of the matter is, is, you know, everybody, there's only five people who supported my move. My wife being one of them, she was not my wife at the time. You know, the good thing about Andrew, Chris and I is like, you know, our blind trust and faith in one another that we're going to deliver is you're not going to breach that wall. And I think that's what makes us unique as a team is I didn't know that that was the right answer, but here's what I knew. I knew that I was going to, I was going to, if I'm going to go to war, I'm going to go to war with these two motherfuckers. Right. And mm. At, at bare minimum, we're going to be out on the battlefield fucking bleeding out together. At bare minimum. That's where we were going to end, and I could lay my head down with that. But what I, I, I remember processing in that moment, if I don't say yes and I don't go, go chase those dreams, regret was going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, you know, not chasing your dreams um, or not giving yourself a chance to chase your dreams is the biggest regret that, that I think people do have in life. So, you know, the fear of what if I fail is why most people never start. Right. And I, I knew that at that age, I, I didn't experience it really, but I kind of, you know, I knew that with a little bit of baseball specifically with my failure and, you know, 
God gave me the ability, you know, to see, have a little, have a, have some clarity in saying, you know what, go for it. Like, what do you have to lose? Go for it, go for it, chase your dreams. And it wasn't, you know, we didn't hit the button and we started making millions of dollars. I mean, fuck three or four years. It was hard, man. Mm. And, but I knew that if I, if I didn't go, I knew I could always come back and make money or I could always, you know, I can, I, I knew I would figure that out, but if I didn't chase my dreams that I would always regret on my deathbed that I didn't go, I didn't mm. try. And if I was going to go, uh, these are the two guys that I'm gonna go to war with no matter what. Yeah. So this, this is my opportunity and it was scary and I'm not, you know, it's, but I, it wasn't as scary. I think as most people make it out to be because I, I knew Andrew and Chris and this is not us going to war together was not something new. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I, I pulled the plug, man, we went and you know what? It's, it's been the ride of a fucking lifetime. I've, done more shit. I, I, I've traveled the whole country and a Nissan maximum and I've been in more stores. I could tell you more about every shithole town and across the country. <laughs> I have more friends. I've drank more beer and more bars and worked out in the weirdest gyms across the country. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's you awesome. Know, I, wouldn't, Talk, I wouldn't trade any. You talked about support, uh, in that move. But you specifically brought up your wife, who was not your wife. Talk about that relationship because, you know, if we have listeners out there that just realize I'm not happy or, or I'm not doing what God designed me to do, but then they've got or don't have the support from their significant other. Like, talk us through first, you know, how you guys met and, and kind of that, uh, the timing that y'all met, and then, and then going through that transition from medical sales to starting up this supplement company. It's, uh, it, it was, it was, it was pretty, you know, we met in a bar, right? There was a great story. I'll tell you what, I got, a, I got a gangster story if you want it. Yes. Give it oh, to us. Yes. All right. So my wife smoke, I'm sure you guys follow her on Instagram. She's fucking hot. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all these random dudes are going to be following my wife. hundred percent. Bing, bing, yeah. bing, bing. What, what's her at again? <laughs> yeah. so, I remember we were at the bar and I was with one of my buddies, Corey, right. Who, who, uh, it was one of the guys who supported me and, and, uh, his girlfriend at the time was like, Hey, this girl, this bartender is really cute. And I'm like, yes, she's, she's fucking hot, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had, I thought I had the game and it's, so I go up and I'm, you know, I'm like, Hey, how you doing? You know, I'm Sal, you know, if I could slide in like dumb and dumber, like fucking Harry and Lloyd inside. <laughs> Put out the vibe. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, Hey, what's your name? No response. I'm like, oh, I hear you're a nurse. You know, I'm in med sales, you know, like, you know, just trying anything, like any fucking lure in the water that I can even get a hit. She won't even give it to me. And uh, so I tore, I tore a nap and I, and I know the walk away move, right? He who controls the conversation has the power to walk away. That's, that's a, that's a Tom Hopkins. So <laughs> I was like, all right, well, she, she's going to play hardball. I, listen, I know you like me. That's what I, I can see the vibe. You checking me. I'm not stupid. So I wrote my, I wrote my phone number on a corner of a napkin <clears throat> I tore it off and I said, since, since you won't talk to me, if you want to take me out, you give me a call. And I slid it across to her. And I remember her looking at me like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> and I walked away. And, uh, that night my phone rang, ring, ring. Hey, what are you doing? Bam. So I got fish on. Right. So then we start talking. <laughs> the coolest part about that is, is, uh, the night before we got married, my wife actually gave me that corner of the napkin, torn back off, put back in a frame and it hangs in our house right now. Oh man. That is awesome. All you youngsters leave the number and walk. If anything, you've got a great story. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> you hear that, so, Jaden? <laughs> that's right. It may only work one out of 10 times, but if it works on that one time, that's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need, bro. Thanks for oh, a great story. Great. 
So, so yeah, so, so talk us through the support through that because you guys are dating at this point. Yeah, so we were dating and it, it actually worked out really well. So she was doing a trans, she had a transition of, of career path as well. And, you know, my wife's always supported my goals and my dreams, no matter what, man. And I, I think that's a, a, a really big, you know, part for a relationship is understanding, you know, life is tough. And it's a hell of a lot harder when you've got to fight somebody at home to yeah. do, you know, to, mm-hmm. to chase your dreams and live your life. And I think one of the things that, you know, my dad was, you know, divorced a uh, couple times that he did, you know, he allowed me or taught me the opportunity or the, the pathway of having good, strong, firm conversations at home are okay. And, you know, and, and I, I remember telling my wife, like, I want to chase, you know, my girlfriend at the time, I want, you know, this is what I want to do. And I remember saying, well, then you should do it. And that little stroke of confidence um, has always rang true from her voice in, in my head. And it's funny because, you know, when you have a strong partner at home and we've, a lot of us have had, you know, a lot of difficult relationships, right. But when you have a strong partner at home, there's something special to be said for that because she knows, man, like if, if I'm in, like she's full boat support me Mm -hmm. and it makes it that much easier. Mm -hmm. Like knowing that I'm not, I don't have to call her and tell her, Hey, I'll be home in 15 minutes. I'm not home in 15 minutes. I'm going to get my ass ripped or all these things. It's like, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to battle for our family, knowing that somebody has your back and somebody's willing to go to battle for you is one of the best feelings in the entire world. And I, I tell my young guys this all the time at, 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 at the office here is, you know, if you set that conversation up for success early, that I'm going to battle for us, for our future family, for who I want our lives to, or for what I want our lives to be. And, and so that we can live the lives that, that, that we truly want. I need you to support me and I need you to support those actions I learned that from my wife and I learned that from having her have my back. We never, you know, I never begged that from her. I, that's something that she gave me that is now a lesson that's so valuable to my guys and girls here at HQ is, you know, you know, that support gives you the stroke of confidence to go fight and go chase your dreams and give that extra 10% because that extra 10%, we all know this is either battling that phone call that I'm going to be late to home yeah. or I'm going to get pour that 10% into one extra phone call here or one, inter- one extra interaction here. I'm always 20 fucking minutes late and I'm 20 <laughs> minutes late because she gives me the permission to go fucking chase my fucking dreams. Yeah. And I think, you know, my uncle John told me this a long time ago and I, I remember 20, 22 year old Sal didn't have a fucking clue about this. Okay. I thought, you know what? He used to tell me about him and, and my aunt Dolores and he'd say, Hey, I'm going to teach you this, Sal. You don't realize this, but uh, in order for you to be king, she's got to be queen. And I used to always think, you know, bro, I'm king. That's just the way it is. And I have stolen that line and made it famous on the internet because what he said that day was extremely true to me. If I'm going to go king, I need her to be queen, which means I need, I need to support her. And you can't be a great king without a great queen. That's right. And dude, when I go to war and I got to and I got to wage it and I'm in, I know what my I know my queen's in my corner and that's a huge advantage. It's a competitive advantage for me yes. because, you know, if if I can attack with that much intent and that much focus on what I have going on, not worrying about what's going on over here, it makes me that much more effective. It makes me uh, uh, it makes me be able to have that much better or deeper of a conversation and really deliver with that much more intent and and it's allowed me a great opportunity to really chase what I want to do. Man, I love that. So First Form's growing. Uh, talk us through kind of the, the first couple of years. You said it was tough. Um, but but talk us through how you get to, I mean, really what the last two years you guys have, 
dang near doubled in size from employees. I mean, this exponential growth. But what was it? What was the secret sauce that First Form implemented? And Andy's talked about valuing every customer like they're the most important customer because they are the most important customer. But talk about that secret sauce that the three of you laid the foundation for for the rest of the team. I, I, I think, you know, Andrew and I was being fat has a, and Chris really struggling with weight has been a, a huge success component for us. Um, you know, we're in the weight loss business, man. Mm. And unfortunately the entire weight loss industry is built on lies. It's built on, mm. um, you know, 21 day fixes or, you know, some special diet or some, you know, some mm. this, some that, and some it's all some bullshit is what it is. Mm. And being a, being a person that struggled with weight my entire life and his entire life, it's allowed us a great opportunity to honestly be transparent mm. and social media crossed our pathways right at the right time where we were, we were able to tell our story and really go through the journey with somebody else and explaining to them that, Hey, they're not alone. And you know, that diet doesn't, didn't just not work for you. It doesn't work for anybody because it's a lie. And I always use the term in here where there's mystery, there's margin. You know, when they can sell you an easy fix, it's because they make a lot of money and they understand you're going to go away. They don't care about building a brand. They care about creating a transaction. Mm -hmm. And the transaction in our business is the easy option. Mm -hmm. And that's not who we are. You know, we're here, we're here to stay. We're here to build a brand based on quality, on helping real people get real results. And like I alluded to earlier in the podcast, like we were taught to lead by example. And if you're going to show somebody insecurity, well, you got to talk to them about your insecurity. Mm. And if you're going to help them fight, you know, what looks back into the mirror, you have to share your struggle of how you fought you fighting against what looks back at you in the mirror and how it's uncomfortable for you to take your shirt mm. off. And you have to be able to explain that to people and help them through that journey. Changing your life is not easy. It's hard. And so in our industry, they've told you for years and years and years that it's easy. This is the easy fix. It's not easy. It's difficult, but if you're willing to work for it, we will meet you halfway. We will give you the information. We will give you the tools. We will help you get there, but I can't do the work for you. And that message and ability to be transparent helped us. And we just crossed paths with social at the right time. It helped us connect to people to help make people better versions of themselves. Right. Which is what our goal is. No different in-house than out-of-house. If we can connect to people, we can help them change their lives. And it goes back to the narcissism thing. If I can make my life about them, they'll make their life about me and we can win together. And I always look at a good business transaction is when, if I win, you win, we win. And when you look at our situation, it's, you know, not only are we helping you change your life from a physical standpoint, but now we've created a bond with a, with a customer, not a transaction, but an actual friendship, a bond that allows people to become better versions of themselves, right? Better fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, husbands, all through hard work, discipline. And really we get to play and we have the opportunity to play a role inside that every single day. We, we, we just do, we cross paths and, you know, you can say, and, and I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, we're lucky. We are lucky because we, we happen to be at a time in our lives where social media crossed, and I believe, you know, deeply in, in, in the faith of God that he put us in the right spot for the right reasons at the right time. And it's our obligation to deliver on that message. Mm-hmm. And I think what makes us unique or our special sauce is, is the ability to express humility um, and understanding, bro, that we're all fucking human and we all struggle. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to be able to tell and look another man in the face and be like, listen, man, I struggle with that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you help me, I'm going to help you. And that's the thing, man. We just cross and it works. Yeah. And so. Yeah, what one. Just, I love this. that. 
well, I was just going to say, one, one thing you guys do better than anybody is, is like you said, you, you're really clear on who you're serving. And everything you do is about that person. It's not about what supplements I can sell them. It's about how can I enhance this person's life. And so that's what we respect more than anything, more than, you know, the great products, because you guys do have amazing products, but it's who, the, who you are as people and the humility that you show. And it's really true that you are focused on that person that you're serving. That's, that's so, it's so cool to see and so you, refreshing. You know what it is for me as well? It was the educational process because I went through, look, I, I, once I got the product, I had to understand how to use the product. So I went on YouTube and I saw your ass, Sal, on YouTube explaining the products. And I was like, and I'm holding the product. I'm like, okay, that's how I use it. You know, it, it was like the ease of which you guys explain the use of the product and how it can affect your life in a positive way. That's, to me, that really grabbed on to me early. Well, on. and here's a, here's a testimony because it, we've talked about it on the show. I've talked about it, right? My fitness journey post-football was very different than I thought it was going to be. I thought, like, I loved working out. I loved training when I played. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to, like, do the things that I actually really like doing, yeah. like these heavy single-leg squats and these power cleans. Like, get rid of all that, and I get to do, like, the good stuff that actually makes me feel good. But it was a whole lot harder because life, business, all these things got in the way. And I say get in the way, but I recognize that, okay, I'm just, I don't have the discipline that I had for that, whether it's lack of passion, whatever it is. But here's, here's a deal is literally, so you talk about pouring into, into the people and, and giving them resources. This is a free app, by the way, my transformation, right? It's a first form app that actually has literally like I have it on my phone and this is I get my workouts off of it now. Yeah. I track my meals on it. And this is literally the free version because I'm a cheap ass. And, <laughs> and I'll, go, I'll, go spend, like, I'll go spend four bucks on energy drinks a day, but I won't spend 99 cents a month on an app that helps me like, change my life, right? But literally, like you guys, and, and I get emails. I mean, I know you personally write all the emails that go to me in my inbox you know, every other day for sure. So thank you for that. I appreciate you spending the time. But I mean, it's like, hey, you tracked your food, you tracked this. I mean, literally, you guys have created a product that has made it so easy for me. But guess what? The easy part is done. Now, the hard part of me showing up to do it, that's on me. And I recognize that. And it just, man, it's been just that spark for me. And, and really, like, which then my wife is going through the same deal. And we're, we're doing this journey together. But man, I can't come in. When I left, uh, when I left St. Louis, I downloaded this app because I saw the trainers that you have there that, that, you know, you can call anytime and, and we can talk about nutrition. We can talk about training. We can talk about all this, like the resources that you have yeah. available for your customers. It, it, it doesn't exist out there that at least I've found and, and the resources that you provide, because again, like you said, now we're fans for life. We're customers for life of first form. Like, will I not ever buy any other product? I wouldn't go that far, but I would say I'm always going to buy your product and I'm always going to be an advocate for you. Sorry, man. I'm always going to be an advocate. When you guys start making D ball, then I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy everything from you. <laughs> but, I like living on the side of the jail. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> I just got to go to Tijuana, you know, the, <laughs> but, uh, but man, and, and, and what you just said is so true. And, and I just wanted to, I wanted to reinforce that. Like, it's not just like, Hey, you're the president of a company and hey we're selling and i'm selling i'm selling it truly is like there's a heart behind the company that is so unique especially to the industry that we care about transforming lives you know and and it's just man it's so cool to see and and really thank you because in the last four weeks my journey has already started to shift i'm yeah, not there by any means i agree man. but my journey totally has already started agree. to shift well Wait. i appreciate that can i can i add to that do you mind yeah absolutely please 
I think it makes it easy when the single greatest thing that I, that I've been able to, to do in my life is be able to help people get the keys back to their own life. Mm-hmm. And God give me gifted us the ability to be able to help people do that. And when you give somebody the keys back to their life uh, through them earning the respect for themselves through, you know, creating discipline in their lives and, and chasing to become the best version of themselves. When you help, set the, the sail for that person to get onto the water and you watch him grant, grab the reins and actually run. It's the greatest, it, it's the greatest feeling to be able to help somebody achieve that. And, and the fact that I get the opportunity to do that every single day for a living is, is my obligation. And, and I really feel like the luckiest person on planet earth because those, those things that you talk about, <clears throat> I want to, re- we want to remove all of the obstacles and why somebody wouldn't go chase their dreams or go live, live the best, most healthy life that they can, because I have been in those shoes mm. and you can make all the excuses in the world. And we always tell them like, Hey man, like we're going to give you the plan. We're going to teach you to track your food. It really supplements play a very, very small role in this process. Mm. You just got to meet us halfway and do the work. Yeah. And if you're willing to do the work, I'm going to help you with everything else. And we're going to remove all those other obstacles. And when you can watch somebody gain control of their physical self and actually chase the discipline and the hard work, you watch them start to take flight, man. And that's the best fucking feeling on planet earth is to watch a man or woman become the best father or husband or mother or sister, whatever that is. It's the best feeling in the entire world. And it's our obligation to be able to provide that for people. That's awesome. You guys are doing a great job. You mentioned, we'll start to wrap up here. We want to be, you know, again, respectfully, your time gets you back to the family, but you talked about being a father. Talk about that transition from, you know, being a guy because it's different, right? When, okay, I've got to worry about myself. Okay, then I get married. But I can still be pretty selfish, right? Like, I could still spend a lot of time for myself. When kids come into the picture, how did that, how did that affect you, whether it be from a motivation standpoint? Because for me, it was a whole new sense of motivation, you know, to, to be a great father, husband, human. Um, but also, like how did it, how does it change your responsibilities and, and challenges in, in managing, you know, your day and schedule so that you can still pour into your kids physically as well? Well, I, I, there's, there's two parts to that question, right? I think, you know, learning to become a father, you know, you realize that the, the whole lead by example thing takes a whole new meaning mm-hmm. because, you know, what you realize about kids is they're sponges, man. And they're watching every single move you make and they're listening to every conversation. And they're smart. And, and you know, I, I didn't want to be, I didn't, I wanted, I wanted my kids. I still want my kids to be extremely proud of me. And that's important to me is, you know, I try to, and I t- tell my, I've been talking about legacy for a long time and, and um, you know, it's, it's really important to me. And I always tell my guys, like my, my job is to develop our young men and women here to the very best of my ability. And I'll give them every fucking inch, anything I got, every, everything that I got, I pour into our people here. I pour into our customers. I try to do the best job that I can. And the reason being is, you know, I'm not going to live forever. And I recognize that. And I got to be real careful talking about this in some way, shape or form. Cause you know, I believe in a lot of traction, all types of weird stuff, but you know, I'm not going to live forever. I recognize that. But if I do the best job that I can in trying to develop these young men and women <clears throat> that when I'm gone, my kids will hear this, a similar story like the mm. Home Depot story, yeah, if you will, from right. my dad 
they'll hear a similar story to that. You know, they'll be able the community. If I do a good job taking care of the community and I give them everything I got when I'm gone, that community will take care of my kids. And that's important to me because I might not live forever, but stories can be told for a long time. And, and I, I want those stories to be good. I want them to be deep. I want them to be raw. I want them to be real. And I want my community of guys and girls, I want them to help raise my kids and my grandkids. And I want them to take care of them. And that's important to me. And, you know, that lead by example thing sets, sets to a whole different route whenever I start to see it through that light bar, through that, uh, through that, that scope, right? And, and that, that's one side of having kids is making sure that I leave a legacy that speaks for me for a long period of time through raising and helping people become people of character so that they can help my kids become mm. better people of character as they, as they mature. That's important to me. Step two is, <clears throat> you know, when you're chasing your dreams – it's really, it's really easy to get lost in the parenting relationship, you know, business uh, mix. And I always talk about, you know, dividing my days up into buckets and, and, and making sure that I'm happy because if I'm happy, uh, I can attack the process that's in front of me, right? I can do the best job that I possibly can. There's a couple buckets for me that make me happy. And, and, you know, being a dad is one of those buckets, um, you know, but I have to have some me time, right? So I, I like being with me. I, mm-hmm. I like, uh, having some alone time. I think we all need it. I think it's important. Uh, I like being a dad. Uh, I love being a business person and I love being a husband. And those are the four things in my life right now that are extremely important. And I try not to let those things um, stray from a, from, from my path. And uh, I get asked this a lot about balance, you know, like how do you balance all the mix and make sure you still be a dad. And, and this is what I do. And it's worked for me. Um, and I think it's worked. It's helped some people that, that I've worked with in the past. You know, I wake up every day at, at 530 with attacking my mission, um, which is me. You know, I, I do fitness every day from 530 to 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, fitness is an important part of my lifestyle. Uh, it's what I do every single day. Um, it's important that I prioritize it first because like most men, if we don't prioritize us, we'll put ourselves to the back of the bus. Yep. And then we end up just checking it down. And then before long, 240 becomes 250, 250 becomes 260, 260 becomes 300 pounds. Mm. And now you're dad bod, right? Mm. And I don't want to be dad bod. So fitness, fitness is extremely important to me. I struggle with weight. So if I get that out of the way early, I can feel good. I can hit my day running. Uh, From seven to nine, I'm dad, man. I brought those kids into the world. I'm going to raise them. I want to cook them breakfast. I want to get them ready for school. I want to take them to school. Nothing is more important than that for me. And I want to make sure that I attack that part of the process. I set my phone down during that time frame uh, because we can all get distracted from our phones, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and we're never present inside the moment. And I want to be a present father. I don't want to be a distant father. I want to be an active present father. Um, and so I, I try to live that time with them. You know, I watch cartoons and, you know, get them dressed. And I do all those things that a dad gets to do that I get to, that, that, that I want to make sure that I experience and enjoy. Um, from nine to five or nine to six, I'm a businessman. You know, I try to kick ass. I try to take names. I don't go to lunch. I don't play golf. I don't do anything. Like I am extremely disciplined to business because just like my fathering journey or just like my personal journey, I, I stick to that boundary. Very, very, uh, very, very disciplined to that time set because I get paid to run this business and my job is to pour my heart and soul into these people and give it to our customers. And so I take that time extremely serious. I don't go to baseball games. I don't play golf. I don't go to lunch. I, I attack that Avenue. Um, and when I walk in the door at six o'clock from six to eight 30, I'm dad, I'm right back in the dad role. I want to cook them dinner. I want to, you know, try to decompress. I set my phone down. If, if, if I'm on the phone the whole way home, 
my guys know this. I mean, I will hang up on them. I'll walk in the door and say, Hey, I got to go and hang up. I don't care where I'm at in the conversation. I walk wow. in the door and I'm done. Um, and then from, you know, eight to eight thirty one, I try to get laid. From <laughs> I'm, I'm hey, that's, that's including getting undressed and redressed again, by the way. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. that's, <laughs> that's impressive. Oh, you're going right. I'm, I'm an efficient motherfucker. So. <laughs> I, I, from, you know, from eight thirty to 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, you know, yeah. I, I'm husband, man. I, I love, yeah. you know, I let my wife, you know, Hey, what do you want for dinner? What do you want to do? How you, the good news is I'm, I'm married to a workaholic too. So mm. she typically starts working. If she works, I'll work. If she wants to watch real house, uh, housewives of orange County, I'll watch the shit. I don't care. Right. Yep. You know? So I try to spend that time as a relationship and I, I love being with my wife. And so we really do try to focus, you know, on us during that time and, you know, talk and have a good time. We, we have dinner together every night. We, we eat with the kids kind of, and then we eat together during that time frame. So, you know, those are the things that make me happy. And I stay extremely disciplined to that schedule because it, it's how I fill my buckets the best. And it allows me, instead of being distracted, you know, 80% of the day, mm. I, I stay extremely disciplined to what's going on. And it makes me feel good at night when I lay my head down. I never, it's not that I never, that, little schedule has allowed me to be more clear. It's allowed my head to be um, more comforted at night, knowing that I attacked the process that was in front of me. I didn't spend it scatterbrained all day. You know what I love about that schedule that you just ran through is the first hour and a half of your day is spent on you and making sure that you're pouring back into yourself so that the rest of the day can be about everybody else. And I love that that's the way that you start every single day. And you have to, man, because it's important, right? Like we've all been there. I have learned for me, in order for me to be the best version of me, I got to be happy with me. And that makes that, that gives me confidence that I took myself as a priority first. And that first hour and a half of the day, I can do whatever I want. The only person that can get into that half of the day or that part of the day with me is my wife. I have a gym at my house. My guys can train there. My, I have friends that train there, but you cannot train from five 30 to 7am. You are not welcome. That is my mm-hmm. time and my wife's time. Do not come in there. And I read during that time on a treadmill. I will watch TV. I do whatever I want to do. If I want to go in there and sit in the dark in some fucking Zen pose, and that's what I do. (laughs) But it's about prioritizing me so that I can go get the best version of myself throughout the rest of the day. And it's helped me really focus and never let that sway. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my reason. I love that. You you listen to that, Darren, you take notes on that. I'm already, I'm getting there, man. (laughs) I am getting there, Sal. So what are you struggling with? Uh, Thing. Consistency. You know what? My, I always struggle with time, man. Time is, you know, getting pulled in different directions. Again, I'm, you know, I work with a, a commercial real estate firm as a partner, and I have my own software firm as well. So I'm, I'm torn between the two most of the time. So I'm always struggling with the discipline. I love, like, like I said, I love what you just said because you, if you can stay disciplined throughout the day, you actually create more time for yourself. So this is a. This could be a, a, this helped me. And I I would imagine that it'd be good for you. I used to allow people access to my life all the time. Just like that, Darren. It's Mm -hmm. like, Hey man, what do you you know? And I'm, I'm always, you know, kind of, but the problem is, is I was never ever dedicated to one thing. And I always tell people, don't let other people rob your time. If, when you start to respect your time, they'll start to respect your time. And if they know that you have these boundaries in play, like my guys, they won't call me when, if I walk in that door, they don't fucking call me at night. Because that's my time. Don't and if you bother me, that building better be a motherfucking fire. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm gonna your bottom. And when I started to respect my time, they started to respect my time. Yeah. And I think that that setting of boundaries happens with you first. Yeah. And you have to let them know, hey, this is important to me. 
if you can't do this, then you know it's going to be really hard. And what happens is you realize like people will respect it, but you must respect it first. Exactly. Yeah. See, and I love what I love about this is is you're so focused in in your your grand scheme of okay, I got to pour into other people, but in order to do that, I've got to fill my buckets too. Or else I'm just pouring out, pouring out, yeah. pouring out. And I think, and I know I can, I'll speak for Darren. That's something that he, he's the guy that will give his shirt off a back to, off his back to somebody he doesn't know just to help him out. Cause he wants to help and he, and he has the heart for it. But I, I know we both struggle. All three of us struggle. It's like, okay, well, but how am I filling my bucket? Exactly. Because I'm just giving, yeah. giving, 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 giving. And then we, and I said it on the show, like, then you resent giving, right? Then it's like, man, I just, I don't have anything else to give, yeah, but I, yeah. but people keep asking and we, and I keep giving. And and I know I struggle with that too. That's that's something that, that I don't have enough me time, right? right? I don't have enough where it's like okay, just me. And and same same with you, man. But I love that that you've dedicated that. I, I'm a selfish bastard. I don't have a I don't have a problem with me time at all. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah. Well, go ahead, man. All right, last question, man. We've got to have you back on because we we could have gone another three yeah, four yeah, hours yeah, here. Sure. Well, when y'all come to Dallas, yeah, when you yeah. guys make the trip down. Yeah, and, and you are you actually you actually already buried the lead here. You, you kind of mentioned it a second ago, but the question we ask every guest at the end of the episode is this: If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? I mean, I, I think man, there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of like open endedness to this thing, but. <clears throat> I think what I hope to leave my kids with is, you know, you're going to be dead a long time and fear is not a reason not to chase your dreams. And, and all the excuses that you make in your head are simply that they're just excuses. And when I, when I started to recognize that time's not infinite, that we have a measured amount of time and you don't know when your clocks can get punched and, and to really learn to start appreciating every moment and start to appreciating every relationship and every conversation and really genuinely take it in. I mean, I digest it man, to a different level. My life started to become extremely better because I started to value every interaction and I started to value every opportunity when it's raining, finding the beauty inside of that, but understanding that we're going to be here for a very short period of time. Mm -hmm. The world, the world keeps spinning regardless whether you want it to or not. And, you know, Fear is not enough. Fear is not a reason not to be the best version of you or not to chase the best version of you. And, 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 you know, understanding that you're on borrowed time, man, and the gas pedal's on the right, you got to fucking go. And I think if, if I could instill that lesson in my kids to go chase experiences, not things and go value relationships and people not, and I'm not saying not money, but I'm saying go, this is the best way I can describe it to you in the whole entire world. <clears throat> When I was younger, you, when you're a young guy, you envision everything, Lamborghinis and private jets and, you know, you know, women and a whole deal. Right. And I've done it all. I mean, I, dude, I've been on, you know, G six fifties. I've raced across the country in Lamborghinis. I've done everything you could possibly fucking do. And this is the difference. I've done those things with shitty people and I've had a shitty time. Mm-hmm. I've gone to Haiti, which is the worst place in the entire fucking world. It's the poorest country in the entire world. And I went with the best group of men that I've ever fucking walked the face of the earth with. And I had the best fucking time. Mm. And I've learned this, that we don't know how long our time is on earth, but I can tell you it's people, not things. It's experiences, not things. It's people. People matter. People are the difference. And when you can start to place your value in relationships, your life becomes inherently more valuable. It becomes easier. It becomes better. It becomes more fun. And 
if I could go back and tell my younger self that, that's what I'd tell it. That's Just awesome. Worry about the people, not the things. Dude, that's drop gold. the yeah. freaking mic. That's gold. <laughs> that's great, man. And yeah. I'll say this, and you just posted something on uh, on Instagram, I think it was yesterday, just talking about, look, my goal in life, like it's very clear, is to be the best human that I can be, not mm. comparing to somebody else, not comparing to them. I'm My only goal in life is to be the best human that I can possibly be, and you're focused on that. The rest seems to fall in line. And so, man, I, I respect that. And, and, you know, from our perspective, man, we, we look up to you, the things that you've accomplished, yeah, the, way, the way you look at your wife, the way you raise your kids, the way you lead your company, you know, the, the, the friend that you've been. Man, those are all things that, man, we, we respect the hell out of you, man, and we appreciate the time. Yeah, that you, you guys are today. doing it the right way, Sal, man. We, we really respect who you are, man, as a, as a, as a man and, and the company as well, man. You guys do it the right way. Well, that means a lot coming from you guys. I, I You know, listen, I – I'm very blessed. You know, I, we have a great team, you know, my brother, Chris, our guys and girls here, but you know, that really, you know, coming from you guys, that means a lot. And I really appreciate, you know, it's just, you know, life is cool, man. It's a yeah, wild ride. That's right. journey, and I, I respect, um, and I'm very ex- extremely thankful for the uh, opportunity to be on your guys show. And, and, uh, I'd love to come back. You know, I feel oh, like I'm yeah. in my head. This is this is funny, right? This is a competitor. Am I, I'm analyzing. I'm like, man, I could have done better. Like, the show was- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, true. It's true. You could have for sure. <laughs> it's, it's literally like it's how it's how we're wired. Yeah, right? exactly, well, man. But there's, but there's so much. Like, I, I feel like we we get each other, and there's so much more shit that we can just dig up and talk through, and and on deeper levels. And in an hour and a half. To, to walk through Sal Frisella's life is not enough, right? And not right. to not to really expose the, the the journey that you've been on, the impact that you've made, and and we absolutely need to have you back on, man. Yeah. But I mean, you did okay. You did okay. You've yeah. not been our best for sure. But like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll watch film though. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll clean we'll, it up. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll clean it up. We'll send you our notes. Yeah. Bro, this will this will haunt me. Like, oh, <laughs> I could have transitioned here. I know I could have. Oh, oh no! You know what oh, you said? You just said something Sal, that just stuck with me you didn't even know you said it you said we're gonna be dead a very long time and that i mean i it shocked me when you said it because it's so true like how short of that window do we have i mean it's such a small window you can be dead forever like i mean it's just we got a window man and that it's stuck you went right over it yeah but it just punched me in the face man so what I got to do, and listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a plug here, okay? Right. And I, I, we support an orphanage in Haiti, okay? We do a thing called Thirty for the Kids, and uh, it's thirtyforthekids.com. We support an entire village in Haiti. We it's thirty minutes of fitness for thirty days. We'll, we'll, we'll run one in June. We're gonna run it. Uh, you guys got to do it with me. Yes. Okay. I got to get you guys to Haiti. Is yes. what I should do. Yes. We, yes. Do a, we do a men's trip, and it's so fucking rad, man. Like it is the, I mean, you know, it ain't the Ritz Carlton by any means, but. <laughs> It is this, the, 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 uh, where we understand each other, um, the conversations that you get to have when you can really check down and sit down and enjoy and get perspective of life. Um, you guys would really, really, really enjoy it. Right. And I think if we can make it happen and we get squeeze you guys in and in a sense you can make it work. I, I think, I think you would appreciate going to be, it'd be good for all of us. I can't Absolutely. speak for these two and I'm going to commit on air. Before even talking to my wife, and that's a big deal, I'm in. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% we're in, in, man. And, and that's one of the I things you talk about. You talk about kids and being proud of it, and that's one of the things my wife and I, from from the second we had our first, was we want to show them what it looks like to serve, and we got to do it. And so mission trips are a big part of my wife and I. And, 
you know, a, a mentor of ours back home that, that poured into my wife and I's life, you know, they, they support an orphanage in, in, uh, in Haiti as well, end up adopting t- a brother and sister from Haiti. And so, man, like it, my sister's been, and I've heard great things about it. So I, I'm excited. So please, please send the invite. Cause I know I'm there. There you yes, go. We're in for sure. So, well, <laughs> Hey man, appreciate you again. First form, uh, real AF. We got Sal Frisella here and, uh, ta- nonprofit again, please how someone listening that's interested can find you guys 30 for the kids.com 30 for the kids.com man appreciate you man and uh tell everybody tell uh big reg we said what's up (laughs) (laughs) we appreciate you but tell everyone we said hello man look forward to talking there you go sal rub that thing (laughs) i'm not gonna lie you backed up and i was like is he not wearing pants right now (laughs) (laughs) it's his office he can do what he wants (laughs) man we gotta start a supplement company (laughs) tired of pants (laughs) All right, boys. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Have a good one. Thanks, Sal. Appreciate it, man. See you, man. All right. uh